Welcome back to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan. We began this episode hearing Valerie Luna Serrells describe her spiritual journey five years ago. Just had a really big uh, awakening of sorts that came out of a time of a lot of suffering. And it was both physical and emotional and relational suffering. And out of that, something awakened in me around the... um, reality of the full ecology of what it means to be human and that included energy and so through a series of experiences that I had in nature and um, with the invisible world it really awakened something of the mystic in me. It also inspired her to lead. Cyril started the Shenandoah Valley Church of the Wild in Virginia And she co-founded the Wild Church Network with her sister to support this new movement. Five years ago, they were just a few communities. Today, it's a global network with groups across North America, Europe, and Australia. And each community is different. The rituals of gathering and meaning-making during their time together in the outdoors reflects the values of the members who join the local groups. So everyone who comes who feels drawn into it, it it changes it a little. So it's like this, it's this evolving organism that I'm just, I'm really in awe of. Sarah's spiritual path of discovery began by leaving her family church. That's a trend that has grown steadily for a number of reasons. One is the subject of a lot of debate, the challenge of institutions and faith leaders to evolve and embrace a new role and generation. The hammer problem is this. Congregations and faith leaders, sometimes they think they're the star of the drama. So everything's revolving around them. The decisions they make determine how everything turns out. And really what's happening is they are a bit player in a much bigger drama that's going around them. And they have to adapt to it. That can be freeing in some way to say, oh, I'm not responsible for everything. I have to adapt to all these changes. But it's also much harder because you have to change your role completely and your perspective. That's Boz Montana, religion reporter and author of Reorganized Religion. We heard earlier in the episode, Smintana describes some of the reasons why churches and institutions are struggling, from scandals and controversy to politics and just failing to listen to the needs of its members. Smintana credits Josh Packard for the Hamlet reference. Packard is a religion sociologist who leads Springtide Research. That's a new group that studies the trends of young people and how they make sense of the world. Three years ago, Packard left the Academy to start Springtide Research, a nonpartisan nonprofit with no religious affiliation, to get that data into the hands of civic leaders. Packard believes listening to the way people 13 to 25 think about meaning is key to moving forward. Often those take the shape of religious questions. So, you know, what should I do with my life? What happens when I die? What is the meaning of all this? So we every year collect tens of thousands of data points now about young people's inner and outer lives, their sort of religious and daily lives and how those intersect. And uh, our job really is to help, as we say, is to help those who care about young people to care better. Every year, Springtide releases a State of Religion and Young People report Recent study shows, despite affiliation trends, young people are deeply passionate about values. Gen Z is uh, 
in the absence of being connected and driven by institutions, they're incredibly value driven. So things like, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, sustainability, you know, justice, like these are values that are guiding all of their decisions in, in lieu of a comprehensive system that they're just sort of taking as maybe previous generations did. Like all generations, Packard points out, Generation Z has lost faith in institutions. This trend of declining uh, institutional trust, which is true for every institution going back for 40 years with every cohort of adults. Older generations still trust more than younger generations, but it's been declining for everybody across every institution. But now we've got a generation of young people being raised by parents who also didn't trust those institutions. And so they're, they're sort of like looking around trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to put my trust? Young people much like members of the Wild Church Network, are exploring and finding ways to flourish. But not everyone is unattached to institutions. Generation Z, after all, is a very big demographic group, one out of five in the U.S. That's according to the most recent U.S. Census report. Packard says that aside from growing up with smartphones and parents who don't trust institutions, this segment of society is not homogenous. One of the most important things to understand is that it's the most diverse generation that has ever existed anywhere in the history of the world. If you're not leading the conversation about Gen Z with diversity, then you're fundamentally misunderstanding them. A key message, ignoring or generalizing Generation Z is unwise. We're at this moment where institutions can choose to change to meet the emerging reality or they cannot. And the way they make that decision will have dramatic consequences for the next hundred years of faith. Springtide Research offers insights about segments of Generation Z that can clarify where some of those differences exist. A recent study took a closer look at one such segment young evangelicals. So, what's unique, I think, about our study is we put a ton of thought into who isn't evangelical. How do you influence a group where you can't even define them? Some people think it refers to a set of values and beliefs. Some people think it's an organized social group. That's Kevin Singer. He's the media relations director for Springtide. He's also been working for over a decade to engage young evangelicals through initiatives like Neighborly Faith. That's a group that conducts research and organizes events to introduce Christians to neighbors of every faith. He's often found in the center of conversations about bridge building and interfaith work. For this study on young evangelicals, Singer begins by listing out the beliefs that help them identify this cohort. Biblical authority, spreading the gospel, Jesus Christ is the only way, I'll go to heaven because Christ is my savior, my life is devoted to Christ, the Bible is the authority in my life, and ultimately how we parsed out the evangelicals are those who scored the highest on those items. Then the study used a series of questions to dig deeper into questions of belonging and influence. What does it actually mean to reach an evangelical and who is actually speaking into their lives in a way that influences them? For a generation not loyal to institutions, there was a surprising discovery. The biggest thing our study found far and away is that it is faith leaders. It is pastors, associate pastors, all the way down to youth leaders and worship pastors and lay leaders. That is who young evangelicals are listening to, which, I mean, for us, the big takeaway it's hard to reach them. It's hard to get them involved, get them excited if you are not also in communication with, perhaps even in partnership with their spaces of faith or the people of faith that are influencing them. They also found data to suggest that the conventional wisdom about young Christians disengaging with religion may not be entirely accurate. 
It also definitely uh, calls into question, I think, the narrative a little bit that, you know, young people are all walking away from the church and the church is falling in its attendance numbers and it may not even exist so far as we know it in the next 10 to 20 years. I think young evangelicals are bucking whatever trend that is. And it appears they're still in pretty close relationship with people of authority in their faith context. They're expressing those values beyond the walls of the church, engaging in public dialogues, attending rallies and protests on a host of issues. They are affecting their beliefs on some of society's most hot button issues, the kind of things that, you know, you're hearing talked about in the news quite a bit. Alongside those issues are the public figures who are pushing the debates forward and defining the boundaries and terms of the debate. And those leaders are also getting young evangelicals attention. Of the leaders that young evangelicals are listening to, it is Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, Ben Shapiro, and Joe Biden. Now, things change a little bit when you ask them, not just if you're listening to them, but do you generally agree with them politically? Among the figures we asked about, Donald Trump was number one, uh, followed by Bernie Sanders, Ben Shapiro, Joe Biden, and Elon Musk. So faith leaders and a small group of men that range from the liberal Bernie Sanders to the leader of the MAGA movement, former President Trump, raises the question, what's the takeaway? We've got to be careful and add the caveat here. I don't think that young evangelicals are, you know, at every MAGA rally or something like that, but they definitely see some alignment with Trump. It may be some of his more political stances, maybe on pro-life issues or things like that. Media may also play a role. Evangelical and conservative media outlets often amplify figures like former President Trump and Ben Shapiro. Listening, though, may not lead to following. That doesn't mean that young evangelicals are a monolith politically or culturally. Young evangelicals tend to uh, report much more progressive views on those topics than their older counterparts. Even when it comes to voting, young evangelicals have the potential and in their past have been different enough from their parents and older evangelicals to uh, make up the margin of victory for Democrats and account for a significant swing in elections. That's Michael Ware. In 2008, he started off as an intern working to help build Barack Obama's faith outreach to evangelicals and mainline Christian leaders. In 2020, he was an advisor to Not Our Faith PAC, a bipartisan effort to persuade Christians to oppose Donald Trump's reelection. Ware sees a nuanced story in the study. On the one hand, in a culture where it's too cool to have a religious identity— He says young evangelicals are, well, bucking a trend. If you're a young person and you identify as an evangelical, it's going to be on purpose. It's going to be because you believe in the faith, not because uh, it's kind of what everyone else does. As I travel and talk to Christian college students across the country, the election of Donald Trump and the sense that young people had that they had been raised with a sense of certain values of character that were taught to them as essential to their faith, to see their parents sort of discard those values out of political convenience was a really unmooring thing for many young evangelicals. 
That hypocrisy and unwillingness to just follow older generations is one of the key differences between older and younger evangelicals today. And when they exert leadership inside the political system, it may change the bright line dividing many on hot-button issues. There's a lot less sort of nuance. Uh, Positions are much starker. Young evangelicals kind of sit betwixt and and between. You could imagine a, a approach where if young evangelicals were the center of political decision-making, you could see Republicans seek to uh, moderate their position to at least be more compassionate and cognizant of support for women. Young evangelicals tend to be much more favorable toward Uh, things like paid family leave policies. Kevin Singer highlights one issue where this is evident. On abortion reproductive rights, we found 50% of young evangelicals say that abortion is very or extremely important when it comes to the way they vote. Only 52%. So that means that about half of the young evangelicals in your community have some level of disagreement with their faith leaders on this issue. So that is something that's very interesting because their pastors are probably older And there lies a difference in politics between older and young evangelicals. In addition to splitting with their elders on reproductive health care, young evangelicals are worried about the climate, racial equity, prison reform, and one area that may or may not surprise the public, gun violence. An issue that is affecting the way they vote and and what they care about are gun policies. This is a group that is willing to... uh, vote and show up politically value first and not so much about giving themselves over to an institution such as the Republican Party. Issues aside, for Michael Ware, the big finding, the influence that religious leaders have on this generation. It is rare in public life today to find a single source of influence that affects 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of any demographic. What this data is showing is the tremendous amount of influence that religious leaders have in the lives of young evangelicals. That being said, he shares a cautionary tale about trying to influence the influencers. One of the most uh, destructive things that we have in our civic life is an attempt to influence without a care or respect for those you're trying to influence. One general piece of advice I give is don't try and influence a community that you don't love. Most seminaries around the country are uh, teaching preaching and pastoral care. Seminaries aren't teaching about civics. The church has long been a laboratory for civic development in this country. We need more people attentive to these issues if we're going to build a healthy, thriving, pluralistic 21st century democracy in America. Michael Ware is a chief strategist and a member of the executive team for The And Campaign. He is also the founder of Public Square Strategies, a firm that helps religious organizations, political groups, businesses, and others effectively navigate rapidly changing American religious and political landscapes. Michael is the author of Reclaiming Hope, Lessons Learned in the Obama White House about the future of faith in America. Josh Packard served as executive director of Springtide Research Institute from July 2019 to December 2022.
Kevin Singer is head of media relations and public relations for Springtide Research Institute. That's all for this week's show. If you missed any part, you can stream it online at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, you can also learn about us, read the show notes, sign up for our newsletter, and explore the archives. You can find our podcast on Apple, Podcasts, Stitcher, or really the podcaster of your choice. Just search Interfaith Voices. A special thanks to MC Yogi for our theme music, additional music by Blue Dot Sessions, and a special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. This week's episode was produced by Kevin McCarthy and Kimberly Winston. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. We're a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Remember to stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. I'll see you next week.